Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. series called We Prevail, and if you know, uh, this series is all about starting our year off right. Last week, we, we dive into some things, and this week, we're going to get into some more things, amen? And I hope, I hope you have been challenged by this word um, some way, somehow, and it's been uh, speaking to your heart, um, and as we get into, as we get into yeah, you pull that now. As we get into this week, we're going to dive into some more stuff that, that may be a little bit, that may challenge us a little bit. Amen? Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 2, um, verses 42. We're going to start at 42, and we're going to read through 47. Acts chapter 2. Yeah, verse 42, the first one says, every believer was faithful, faithfully devoted to the following of the teachings, to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked, somebody say linked, to one another, sharing communion, Coming together regularly, somebody say regularly. I almost messed that word up. They came together regularly for prayer. 43 says, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. And they shared with one another whatever, somebody say whatever, they had. Don't really sound like the church today, but you know, hey. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord did what? Kept adding. Somebody say kept adding. Kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Amen. I want to preach a message in our series called a community of prevailers, a community of prevailers. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. Pray that you're being with me, be with my words, speak through me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we discussed uh, the pattern of prevailing. We talked about the habits that set us up for success and the habits that set us up to have uh, not only a successful year, but a successful life, Amen. We talked about the various things that happen. You might want to just pull this down in the house because it's just feeding back in the house. We talk about the various things that happen in our life. It's not about the goals that you set. It's about the patterns that, that help you get to those goals. Many of us get to a point in our life where we say, well, I set these goals, and maybe they were too big. But it wasn't the goal that was too big. It was the habit that you didn't deal with. Amen? It was the... It was the, the, the procrastination that you let go unchecked. It was the kicking it to the side, you know. You know it, was the, it was the thing that, the reoccurring thing that you let go unchecked that causes you to miss the mark. Hallelujah. 
Um, and, and so we can blame it all the time on, uh, well, we can all say that it was just the goal. Well, I said it too big of a goal, but it really wasn't the goal. It was the system that's, that, that you didn't fix that got you to where you are today. Amen? And the reality is, if we want to change our life and we want to change our, our, the things in our life that we don't like, if we want to be successful and we want to, you know, try and do things that we've never done, then we have to work on the systems that get us there. Come on. Hallelujah. And so we talked about that last week. That was, you know, part of prevailing, part of this year. I want you to have great systems to live the life that God has called you to live. To live your best life, to accomplish what God's called you to do. Because how many of you know that at the end of 2021, you don't need to be doing the same thing you were doing in 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and 2017? And, hallelujah. <laughs> I was losing my breath right there. Just, uh, we don't need to do that. This year, I, I'm challenging folks this year that we need to have a different ending to our year. We need to get to the end of the year and say, look at what God has done. This year I bought my house. This year I saved money. This year I, I changed this habit. This year I stopped doing that. This year I gave it up. And we don't want to get to the end of y'all. I'm telling you, about, I'm about to preach my mama in the building. I'm about to preach up in here. It's, it's the standing up for me, all right? It's the standing <laughs> So that's what we talked about last week. But this week we're talking about a community of prevailers, community. Because I don't care how many goals you accomplish, if you ain't got nobody around you, if you ain't got nobody around you that can help you celebrate, come on, somebody. This is going to be a sad day for you. You can accomplish the greatest thing in your, in your life, but if you do it all in a vacuum, all alone, you might be all right. But after a while, you're going to be like, man, this is, it ain't really, ain't nothing really going on here that's worth anything. Amen? So we need community if we're going to live the life that God's called us to live. If we're going to be the people of God, if we're going to do the things of God, if we're going to be the church that changes the world, changes the nation, if we're going to be a global church, we need community. Amen? And uh, some of us, don't, we don't like to hear that word because we don't like people. Right. Amen. Amen. It ain't certain people, it's just people. Just all. Are you, are you human? I don't like you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but anyways, uh, I want to start off with this quote. Um, it's a quote I actually read last week as we were kind of closing out the message, but it's a quote from Martin Luther King, um, and we just celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday, which was um, Friday, um, and then tomorrow will be Martin Luther King Day that we'll celebrate. One of the greatest uh, marks of history in, in, in our time, um, really set the tone and changed the world in, a, in an amazing way, uh, died pretty much a martyr for a cause that, that ended up taking his life, amen? And, uh, but he said some things that he left us with great things to, to learn from. But he, he made this statement, and we, we talked about this last week, but I wanna, I wanna share it with you. He said, on the one hand, we are called, because we were talking about the, the Samaritan, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. We were talking about, you know, the people that passed them by, but then the Samaritan stopped and helped us do it. And as you remember, when we talked about last week, that the Samaritan actually put himself at risk because this road was a road that was known for people getting mugged and robbed and beat and killed and all these things and all of their possessions taken. Well, there's this guy laying on the side of the road who's, who's hurt, and the Samaritan puts risk all of it to stop to help him. And the Bible says that he, he carried this man to the, to the nearest uh, you know, inn or place and, and, and basically put money on it and said, you know, take care of him until I get back. And when, when, he gets, when I get back, I'll pay for everything he's done. So many, your, the story is full of things. But, so the Samaritan risked it all. 
But I love this because Martin Luther King coined this. He said, on the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside. But that will be, an, uh, will be only an initial act. One day we must come to see that the whole Jericho road must be transformed. So that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their uh, journey on life's highway. He said this, true compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It's not, it is not haphazard or superficial. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. Restructuring. Essentially, what Martin Luther King is saying here is we got to see the whole picture of this system change. Amen? And as we're talking about prevailing and we're talking about being a community of prevailers and we're talking about doing this in the, in the, in the season and the systems that we live in, then we have to recognize that the things that happen in this world, the injustices, the, 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 the poverty, the, 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 all the things that are going on in this world that we see that, that frustrate us, that, that charge us, that make us mad and we want to change something about it, the reality is, and I'm going to talk to the church, we got to get united so we can change the whole system. Amen? The problem with the church, the Christian church, is we are divided on the issues that matter to God. Do y'all mind if I hit a couple hard things this morning? Y'all ready for this? Because we're divided on the issues that matter to God. We got some folks that's for uh, the, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say mostly, pretty much all Christians are against abortion as it is. Come on. But we got some folks that are for women's rights and some folks who are against women's rights because of the action of abortion. Right? And the reality is, I'm going there. The reality is, both matter to God. Both matter to God. But as a church, we rather argue and be divided than see that both matter to God. So if both matter to God, come on somebody, then we should be united in changing the world peacefully. But we want to argue and fight and cause division and say, I'm this way and that way. You ain't Christian if you do this. If you voted for Joe Biden, you must not be saved. The devil is a liar. Yeah. But this is how we do in the Christian church. In the church, we want to be divided over the issue of racism. I don't know why. Why that is even a consideration? I was thinking about this the other day. Because I was thinking about the, uh, the, the critical race theory. I don't know if you've heard this. And it ticks me off when I hear about it. Because in my mind, I'm thinking it's just another way for y'all to say, black man, sit down, shut up, and let us tell you what to think. Come on, somebody. And we do it in the church. We want to create these, these uh, elegant speeches to try and explain away our racism. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. We are not and should not be divided over the issue of racism. It is wrong. I don't care who you are, where you were born, how you were born, what church you go to. It doesn't matter. To God is wrong. It will always be wrong. It has always been wrong. wrong. And it will never stop being wrong. That's right. But if we're going to change it, we got to come together. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we don't, want to, we, don't, we don't want to talk about that. Because, see, what we've learned is racism produces all sorts of injustices. And if we don't deal with the issue of racism, then we'll keep having George Floyd situations happen. We'll keep having police brutality. Amen? We'll keep having the things that go on in the world. But if the church don't ever decide to come to, and I keep saying the church because y'all know I'm a church boy. I was raised in church and half of y'all crazy. But... (laughs) And sometimes I just be want, Lord have mercy. Lord knows he, been, he had to save me. Because last year, I wanted to give some, serve up some two pieces. Right. A few times. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to show up to the church. Oh, oh, that's, what you, that's how you feel? Right. You know, somebody need to create a pastor's boxing match. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Get in the ring with me. Let's figure this out. If I win, you have to speak against racism. Hands down, anybody come up against me, you, you might well get ready. I'm sorry. Mom, you think I'm crazy, but I'm dead serious. I keep telling people I want to start a ministry that's called the beatdown ministry. These pastors be acting up. These husbands, they be beating their wives. Y'all think I'm playing. We wear all black. We show up at your house in the middle of the night. We have worked with the wife. She leave the door unlocked. She just exit the room. At a certain time, we come in the house, hands down. Damn. Beat down, man. I got some goons that'll be all over that wall. <laughs> Anyways. We're going to change this. We got to change this issue together. We got to do it together. Amen. We can't talk about diversity only from a skin color standpoint. It's got to change. It's got to change everything. See, and we do that in church. You know, diversity for us is skin color. But we forget sexual orientation. We forget uh, most of the time in most churches, we don't let females speak or talk. Come on. Right? Everybody got to be a certain way, fit in a certain box at a certain time, and we're good. We're okay with that. If you get outside of our box, we get uncomfortable. We tell you, you know, you know the things. They've been said to me. People don't like how vocal I am about racism and and injustices, and I've had networks tell me, well, you know, we we just need you to Kind of back it off. Talk about Jesus only. Mm-hmm. We are not going to change things if we're not together. If we operate in division, we will not change things. Hear me clearly. You know, I was reading through Acts and I realized how many times, did you know how many times they were writing in Acts? against things that we would call injustice today. The church in Acts, showing they behind. Most of us would be like, y'all need to go get some jobs and stuff. We got to be together. That was terrible English, but we have to be together. Amen? As we dive into this scripture, as we look into this, this, this passage and we look at the church in Acts, and a lot of us have, have, have built, and there's the movements going on right now about getting back to the church in Acts. And, and while it's great, you know, that we want to start house churches and we want to do all these things, starting the physical thing without the spiritual element, without the heart change, does nothing for me. Amen. If you start a house church so you can be silent on the things that matter, guess what? You're still part of the problem. And a lot of us do that. 
We, I don't want to go to that church because they don't want to speak out against us. So I'm going to go to this house church because this is the new way and this is the new movement and we need to shut down. And the problem is we got too many builders. No, the problem is we've got too many broken people trying to lead churches, trying to do it out of their brokenness instead of doing it out of following the Lord and what he's saying. Amen. If we all sat down, if us leaders sat down and actually got into the word and listened to the voice of God, I guarantee you we wouldn't be divided on issues that matter to God. Hello. But most of us are in this because it's a career move. It's a ch career choice. It's something that we just, I just want to be a preacher. And you know how many spiritual battles and attacks I go through? This ain't just about being a preacher. This ain't just about standing up, sharing a message on Sunday. This is about being a voice in the wilderness. This is about being a voice to the nation. This is about speaking truth to power, speaking truth when people don't want to hear the truth. This is about sharing the gospel in a world that's broken. Everybody didn't like Jesus. Most of the people that didn't like him were religious. You know, a sign that you might not be following Jesus and you might be following a, a system is if all the religious folk love you and all the world hates you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've just been, I've been frustrated with some leaders that have been, you know, we pander and we, we're all kingdom citizens. God, in, in the kingdom, there is no race. The devil's a liar. What Bible are you reading? There must be a new translation. Even in Acts, when the Spirit of God came, it said that the people heard the gospel in their own language, which acknowledges culture and race. Yes. If God wanted everybody to hear the same thing, he could have done that very easily, changed their ears to hear what he wanted them to say, but he let them hear the gospel in their own language. Why? Because he cared about their culture and what they come from. Yes. Their experiences matter. What they've been through matters. Yes. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And we want to stand up and tell everybody, you know, critical race theories and we're all part of the kingdom and in God's eyes there is no race. Get out of here. We'll tell people in God's eyes there's no gender, but then we'll tell people you got to be male or female. Right. Oh, but in God's eyes there's no gender. When it fits your narrative. Okay. Sorry. Back to my <laughs> scheduled message. <laughs> in Acts, so many things happen. But we get to this beautiful passage right here where we see this church together on things that we're supposed to look like. This is kind of the original founding church. They're going house to house. They're helping each other. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And as I was looking at this, I'm reading this, um, the Lord began to speak to me a few things. First is this, is that we must be together physically and Spiritually. Somebody say physically. Physically and spiritually. I know this is hard concept to, to, to really take considering that we're in um, times with COVID and all these things. And I know, you know, the physical element for a lot of people is hard and, and fearful and scared. And I, and I understand. I, I get it. But let me be real with you. Uh, healthy communities connect on the regular. Amen? Um, it's like, even when I'm thinking about like, like things like issues like racism, the best way to deal with racism is to connect with people that are different from you on a regular. You really want to change that that thing, that narrative, hang around people that you were taught to hate.
go to dinner with a black man. And not just once, all the time. Build a friendship with people that are different from you. It said that every believer was faithfully devoted to the following of, uh, to following the teachers and the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked together, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Listen, they were sharing communion. They were in communion. They were sharing deep, intimate thoughts, feelings, stuff that was going on in their life. And you cannot hang around a person and you cannot connect with a person and something don't change in you. Because if you connect with someone long enough, you begin to become familiar and free and then you begin to let your hair down. I got some hair now, I can let it down. Amen. You begin to let your hair down and then you become more intimate and you start sharing deep, intimate details about your life that you wouldn't share with people. What am I saying? I'm saying if we're going to be a church that is effective in the community, that prevails this year, we got to get around people and become, uh, stay together physically and spiritually. Got to get together spirit, physically and spiritually. What does that mean? When we start small groups, and we will, make an attempt to connect with people. Amen. Make an attempt to come to church. At some point, start trying to get yourself back in the house of God. I know we've gotten comfortable with being online, and I'm not saying anything like, and if you are, you know, super fearful about these things and you need to stay home, that's, you know, it's fine. But here's what I'm saying. Most churches, most pastors are doing every single thing they can to make sure that you are safe and you can come and worship and be in the house of God. And when we are doing that, you need to be able to take some thought and some care in that, you know what, God is, I might be all right. My pastor praying, spraying, and slaying. Come on, somebody. Bars. Y'all think I'm playing? I'll be here mopping, speaking in tongues. <laughs> mopping in tongues. <laughs> spraying Lysol, Advil, all of it. Spraying Advil. <laughs> I need to be on a shirt. Your pastor is, is, is praying and spreading. Come on. Just make some time. Make an attempt. Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's once a quarter. Something. Pastors, it's time to start making an attempt to getting back together. We need to be together physically and spiritually. What do I mean spiritually? They prayed together regularly. Come on, somebody. You know what I know about prevail? One of our main issues? Very rarely do we pray together. I almost speak that. Talk that talk, Pastor. We do. We don't. This is why we're hosting these worship nights. So we can get together and worship and pray. And we can go in. And we can do it unashamedly. Amen? This is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing these things where, we, where we're hosting online Bible studies and, and, and prayer calls and, and, and things that will go out and, and begin to change. Because we have to get together spiritually. Come on, somebody. This is why we do the book study. So we can be together spiritually. So we can know. And encourage one another. And study the word together. If we don't do that, it falls apart. Amen? The next thing is this. We must be generous. We must be generous. Somebody say generous. Oh, I think I spelled that wrong, but maybe I didn't. 
45 says, all the, uh, 44 says, all the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Somebody say, whatever. Say it again, whatever. They shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. What would you do if God asked you to sell your car and give the money away to somebody in need? Everybody's eyes just went. So this, this is the problem, okay? God has no problem with you building success as long as you stay grounded in generosity. And the problem with, oh, can I, I'm just going to say it. Can I just say it the way I want to say it? The problem with America Half of us want capitalism, and half of us want socialism. And God says, I want all-ism. I want to balance the scales. I want you to build and be successful, but I want you to take care of those who are in need. That is what the church looks like. Or it should. Because here's what we have to recognize in this chapter, in this passage. It says, out of generosity, they even sold the assets, which means there were people who had assets that were successful people in this time, in this church, in the first and early church. There were people who owned stuff. But they didn't own it. See, they own stuff, but they weren't so caught up and wrapped up in this stuff that they wouldn't let it go to help somebody in need. And some of, some of us are so married and wrapped up in our wealth that we will f- refuse to do what God's asking us to do when we see hurt and pain in our communities. And we, we you know, um, just that's for them over there. And then we want to beat up people who want to vote for a leader that wants to serve people around them. I'm probably getting all sorts of people signing off today. I don't you being too political. I'm, talking, I'm telling you what the Bible says about the church. This is the church. The church was both, they both had owned assets and there were people with needs. But you know what the people with assets did? They took care of the people with needs. You know what they didn't tell them? Pull, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. I don't see that in scripture nowhere. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute to those who were in need among them. And most of us add a comma, comma, and told them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and figure out and stop asking me for money and stop asking me to build systems to help you. Oh, y'all don't want to hear the gospel? Because if we really could, you know, honor the gospel, we'd know that we were all in need. All broken and tore up and, you know, messed up. And God looked at us and said, I'm going to Give away my asset to help those in need. I'm going to send my only son to die for you. Imagine if God would say, you know what? Pull, it up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, figure out the salvation thing. I don't know how you're going to get it right. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to go to the ends and help you. Because I want you to know I love you. I care for you. We must be generous. We must be generous. Most of us, God ain't blessing us because we stingy. I don't know why I keep having a hard time. You stingy. 
It ain't no spirit. It ain't the devil attacking you. It's your own stinginess. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's called us to be conduits. He wants to bless us and, and it should be able to pass through us. Amen? Yes. But most of us, we get it. We hope, oh, we yes. hold on to the blessing. We pat in the head and all kinds of stuff. And God's like, I ain't sending you nothing else. Why? Because you're stingy. You need to tell your neighbor that this week. Okay. Amen. Somebody come to you and they say, man, I'm, my finances are all messed up. The devil's no. You just say, you know what? You stingy. Just tell them. Just be. <laughs> the devil ain't messing with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We have to be generous. We got to be generous. We can't talk about the hurt in the world and, and then we don't do anything about it. We can't say, I want my church to be successful, I want my church to be impactful, and then we don't ever do anything. Come on. Imagine if I said, I want to build a church that changes, that impacts the community, and then guess what? I just sat down on my hands and did nothing. And I know you, listen, I'm not just talking about money. Because most of us are stingy with our time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, you know what I'm talking about, Charlie. Charlie, I ain't stingy, but. We won't focus on money. Anytime pastors start talking about being generous, we automatically get into this, oh, my God, he just wants my money. Everybody wants your money. You live in America. Turn your phone on. They want your money. <laughs> Everything you own wants your money. Even the bank that you're saving in, they want you to save. They want your money. So yeah, everybody get mad when the church starts asking for money. I always ask for money. We're a church. We don't sell products. We work on donations. We do need your money. I'm going to put that on Instagram. Just that clip right there. Because y'all need to stop acting like you can't give money to the church, but you keep giving money to all these jokers. All these restaurants that are killing you. Huh? I won't give no money to the church. The pastor, he's going to be driving a nice car. I don't need your money for driving a nice car. I pay $8,000 for my car, and it's nice. Come on, somebody. Get on out of here. Your money ain't that much. Have y'all tired and, uh, you know, what up? Yeah, never mind. Be all worried that the pastor go. If your pastor driving a Lamborghini, he ain't bought it with your money. I can guarantee that. Hello. Now, that's the truth that you don't want to hear right there, but it's the truth. He's driving a nice car. He probably ain't bothered with your money. If I had to base it on, never mind. Lord Jesus. Keep on moving, Fred. Must be generous. Next thing is we must be vulnerable. This kind of goes back to being together physically and, uh, and spiritually. But here's the thing, it says, uh, it says 46, daily they met in the temple courts and in one of those homes to celebrate communion. First of all, they were meeting at homes. Somebody say home. There's no level of vulnerability like meeting in somebody's house. When I invite you to my house, I am opening my life up to you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Uh, and, and hopefully, if somebody's meeting in your house, it's clean. Oh, man, hallelujah. And then it says they, they met at homes to celebrate community, and they shared meals with joyful hearts and tender humility. They shared meals. Shared meals with joyful hearts, tender humility. They were vulnerable. They put 
it on the line. They trusted people with their feelings. They trusted people with the intimate parts of their life. Can I tell you something, church? If we are guarded, we will never accomplish what God is asking of us. We don't learn how to be humble. And we don't learn how to be walking with one another in, in unity and trust. Come on, somebody. And we got to learn how to give trust, and we also got to learn how to keep trust. Because half of us, we're, we're water faucet. People tell you something, and they go right next to the next person. And you can't be trusted, because all you do is talk. But I'm praying that the Lord shut your mouth this year so people can trust you again. You can be, you can be, uh, you can be trusted with sensitive, sensitive material. Come on, somebody. And a lot of us need to get there. We need to get to the point where we, where we can be trusted, and we need to get to the point where we can start back trusting. A natural part of life is rejection. What you do with rejection is what begins to set the tone for the rest of your life. Amen? We got to get there. We got to get to the point where we are vulnerable. I can be real with you. I can tell you how I feel. And don't think you're going to be all mad at me and angry or upset. None of that. Come on, somebody. Me and Aaron had, we had dinner this week with, with Rich and, and, and Aisha, and, and we were, you know, she shared something with me, and I was like, I feel the same, same way. And I was telling my mentor as well, I said, like, I hope I didn't mess up something, because I, I, I probably should, I don't know if I, he was like, man, I wish I could be that honest. I was like, Oh, it's simple. Just be honest. You know? I'm sorry. If I'm frustrated with the church, I'm go you're going to know I'm frustrated with the church. Come on, somebody. I told somebody this week, I, I want to stand up here and announce that I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a follower of Jesus, but not a Christian. Because y'all Christian folks crazy. I mean, but you get what I'm saying? Like, this is, but we got to learn how to be vulnerable. We can't see, and, and a lot of us, a lot of us have, have dug into the stigma that we can't share how we really feel. So we get trapped in these, these issues. And then at church, we're like, we want to cast a demon out. Well, just, you just got a demon. No, people are dealing with rejection. They're dealing with, right. with, with mental things that are actual things. Yeah. And we can't kick it off and rub it and, you know, make it some spiritual thing and, you know, open the door and cast all the demons out the room and hope that they, they, they got it. No, we got to learn how to sit down and have conversations. Be real. Pastor, stop being scared to talk to your people. Stop being scared that they might tell you that they don't like your preaching. Right. Or that they were upset with something that you said. Right. We built this whole system in church, and now if somebody comes to you and say, the music was too loud, we got to be all the way. You just did it. You know, create a pathway where people can be real and express to you how they feel, and you can actually hear it and do something about it. It's the generation we live in. Amen? Final thing is this. Final thing is this. Is that we must continually praise God. Somebody say praise God. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept 
adding to those, uh, to their number daily, those who were coming to life. Look at that. We got to learn how to stay praising God. No matter what you're facing, you got to continue to praise God. No matter what's going on down the road, we got to praise God. Well, they hurt you, but you got to start continually praising God. These folk get on my nerves. Praise God. Why? Because he's good anyway. He's good all the time, and all the time he's good. Amen? And no matter what's happening in the world, it doesn't change how God feels about you. It doesn't change what he thinks about you. There may be 100,000 racist people in the church right now, but it doesn't mean that God is racist toward me. It means that God still loves me unconditionally. If I know that my God is for me, I don't care who you are and how you feel about me and how you feel about how I should act and what I should be in society, I'm going to praise God. Somebody say praise God. And we got to learn how to continually praise God. If we're going to be a community of prevailers, if we're going to be a community, a church that changes the nation, that shifts things in the globe, if we do things that God's called us to do, we got to learn how to praise him in the spite of no matter what's going on in our life. we got to learn how to praise God. Somebody say praise God. praise God. That means when you get that phone call and you don't want that phone call and you heard that phone call and things wasn't right like you thought they should be, praise God. When it didn't seem like that you applied and you tried and you do everything you could, but you still didn't get the job, praise God anyhow. I wonder what would happen if this year we just learned how to stand in the midst of trials and storms and still lift up the name of Jesus. If we learn how to look at God and say, I still praise you. I still worship you. You are still God. You are still good. I still call you righteous. I still call you holy. I still call you everything I need. I don't care what's going on around me. I still call you the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. We got to learn how to praise God. 2020 took a lot out of everybody. It took a lot out of us. For some of us, we lost loved ones, we lost friends, we lost friendships, we lost family members, we lost jobs, we lost all kinds of stuff. But let me tell you something. I want to encourage you that this year, I want you to hear me and hear me clearly. This year, I want you to praise God. Yet praise him. Yet lift him up. Yet glorify him. Yet let him know that he is still worthy of all honor and all glory and all praise. And yes, you may not like the world around you, but God is still good. And no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, he's still good. Let me tell you why. Can I tell you why he's still good? Because in the middle of all the things that we've done, he still cares for us. He still looks at us and says, you know what? I still love you. I still think you're great. You probably shouldn't cuss that lady out in the Starbucks line but you're still my, my child. Man, probably shouldn't punch your husband in the face, but you're still my child. Notice I didn't say about the other way, because men should be hitting women anyway. So we, come on. You shouldn't be you, all these things that I could not love you for, but I still love you. Why? Because God has fully accepted us as his own. And the beautiful picture of grace is that this, there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do to change that love. 
You see, in the world, we don't have this concept. We don't know and really understand the concept of unconditional love. Because telling somebody that we love them unconditionally is still an unconditional term for us. But God is love. So it's unconditional. He don't have to say it. He is it. You know how to explain it? He is love. He wakes up, he's love. He goes to sleep, he's love. He sits on his throne, he's love. When he walks down the street, he's love. He is love. That's the God we serve. And we need to continually praise him. Somebody say continually praise him. Stand on your feet with me. Continually praise God. So this week, when you're facing a hard situation, continually praise God. This week, when you're going through something, when, when you get news that, that you don't quite like, just lift your hands and say, God, I praise you. This week, when, when your family getting on your nerves, Lord, I praise you. You're going to have to help me through this one, but I praise you. Aaron, don't you be shaking your head. I don't get on your nerves. <laughs> Amen? Continually praise God. Somebody say continue to praise God. Thank you, Lord, for everyone in the sound of my voice. I speak major blessings over them. I thank you, God, that in the midst of all of this, God, that we will lift you up. We will continue to praise you. God, there will be a community. God, there will be a community that places importance on coming together uh, physically and spiritually. God, that will place importance on being generous and we'll place importance on being vulnerable. And most of all, God, that we'll place importance on making sure that we continually praise you. That we lift you up, God. That all the things that we face, all the stuff that we go through in, the, in our life, God, that we'll never let it take away from us our ability to praise you. And I thank you, God, for this room. I thank you for those in this room. I speak your life over them, your love, and I thank you. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.